Ronaldo. Okay. Well, you can be single, I mean, today in this room, and happy. Or maybe you're single and unhappy. Um, maybe you never married before. Maybe you are single because you were divorced. Maybe you are with children or without children. And then, of course, you can be married and very happy. Or maybe not so happy, fighting with your spouse or fighting for your marriage, or both, or leaning towards giving up. Then you can be remarried, or you can be married but separated from your spouse for all sorts of reasons. And this list of options could go on maybe, and I'm quite aware of the fact that most, if not all of the the options that I listed just now are present in this church. Some of you shared bits of your stories with us, with Michelle and myself, um, over the past few months. And of course there are stories that I'm not aware of, or not yet. So this topic of marriage and the related topic of divorce and remarriage is not some intellectual topic that is you know, nice to debate about. It's not a theoretical discussion. It cuts right into the core of our lives. And I'm very much aware of that. Let me say, if something I say hurts you, please tell me. I want to talk about that. But let's read from the Word of God. Let's continue our reading of the Gospel of Mark. A few verses from uh, chapter 9, which we covered last week, and then continue reading in uh, chapter 10. So Mark chapter 9, verse 36. Mark chapter 9, verse 36. And he, that is Jesus, he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Then verse 42. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin or to stumble, ESV footnote, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And then chapter 10, verse 1. And he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, 
he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer, longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not men separate. And in the house the disciples asked him again about this matter, and he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. The first thing I want to point out from the text is that this passage on marriage and divorce is surrounded by children. Jesus is holding a child in his arms in Mark 9:36. We read that. And he says, receiving that child in the name of Christ is receiving the Son of God himself. And receiving the Son is receiving the Almighty Father. And then comes the warning in verse 42. Jesus says, you adults better make sure that you don't cause a child who believes in me to stumble. You better make sure that you don't wreck that child's faith. It is better to drown in the sea than to cause a child to stumble, says Jesus. And we looked at the context of that passage last week. Cut that hand off tear out that eye, remove that app from your phone, block that website, seek help, be accountable, verse 50, be at peace with one another. Very solemn, very straightforward, very direct, no nonsense policy. And then in chapter 10 we have the Lord's teaching on marriage and then what follows directly after that verse 13 and 14 is that wonderful passage where Jesus says let the children come to me and then again he takes them in his arms verse 16 so this topic of marriage and divorce is surrounded by children in the mind of the Holy Spirit it seems who inspired Mark as he wrote this gospel it's children at the beginning, marriage and divorce, and children again. So, really, brothers and sisters, this morning, try to see Jesus holding the child. Maybe your own child, maybe someone else's child, or children in general, like that next generation, the future of our countries. Or maybe that child or young woman that was sold on the market of the sex industry. Jesus is holding that child. And then looking over the head of that child, he looks us in the eyes as adults. And then he teaches us on that wonderful idea of marriage. Mark chapter 10. 
So let's look at that passage now. In the Gospel of uh, Mark, I think last week, the end of chapter 9, Jesus ends his ministry in Galilee, that is that northern province of Israel. And then here in chapter 10, verse 1, he went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. And we will continue our series over the next few weeks, all the way to Easter, which is in a couple of weeks. And we will see Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. To do what? To give his life. See, Jesus is teaching here on marriage, not as somebody who wrote a paper on marriage, or as someone who holds a PhD on marriage counseling. Jesus is teaching here as the author of marriage and the creator of men and women and not only that he is on his way to give his life for his bride he knows what he's talking about his bride the church and what is the church like is it a wonderful spouse right now Jesus was on his way to give his life for the church verse 1 and then he is teaching as was his custom says the text so please accept that teaching it comes from the mouth of Jesus and then in verse 2 come the Pharisees and I think that they would have missed the point that I was trying to make about children just now and maybe they also missed the fact that this question they are asking is not theory but cuts very painfully sometimes into the lives of people for them it's a test it's a debate they want to they want that debate they want to know in which camp are you Jesus because the rabbis of the time they were disputing about a lot of things but in particular about one verse from Deuteronomy 24 verse 1 where it says when a man takes a wife and marries her if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house etc so what does some indecency mean what would be a lawful ground for divorce Jesus in which camp are you are you on the liberal side or are you on the more strict side or to put it differently, when can a little girl break the rules and walk on the deck of a ship? Only when her brother is locked in a wardrobe? Or can she do so just because she's fed up with him? Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Mark 10 verse 2. Or if you read it in the account of Matthew, maybe more precise, Matthew 19 verse 3. Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Now let's learn from the answer that Jesus gives. Um, two things, maybe. Jesus goes back to the Bible. And then secondly, Jesus focuses on marriage, the original plan, not on divorce. I think that's important because since this discussion about marriage and divorce and 
remarriage. Since it is not an intellectual discussion, but it deals with the deep, deepest joys and also the deepest pains in our lives. It is very important to first take a step back, not to completely disconnect from your own life, because that is impossible, but still to take a step back before anything else and then ask, what does the Bible say? Because that is what Jesus does. What did Moses command you? Well, Moses allowed the men to write a certificate of divorce, they say. Deuteronomy 24, verse 1. Okay, fair enough. But why did he do that? Why did Moses say that? Read carefully and read on. Just go down a few verses. Deuteronomy 24, verse 5. It says, when a man is newly married, he shall not go out with the army or be liable for any public duty. He shall be free at home one year to make his wife happy. Oh, that brings us closer to the original plan. It's a wonderful verse. I wish they would introduce that in all countries. Yes, there is that commandment about a certificate of divorce and Jesus says it is there because of the hardness of your hearts in fact those of us uh, who do the read the Bible in one year we have been reading through Exodus and Numbers Leviticus Numbers Deuteronomy there's a lot of laws and regulations for the Israelites that were meant to regulate not to command or to facilitate, but to regulate things that were in themselves not good. So there were laws on slavery, laws on infidelity, and yes, laws on divorce. Because given the fact that things were not as they should be in this fallen world, God gave his people laws to protect those who were most vulnerable. And in this case, God made sure that women were not just dismissed as a piece of property that men didn't want anymore. At least she should be given a certificate of divorce as to give her some legal rights. That was the function of this law in Deuteronomy. But, says Jesus, now go back to the original. Go back to Genesis 1. God made them male and female. So if you do that, go back to Genesis 1, and then um, you read that, and then you read on in chapter 2, where God says that it is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Very interesting when you read Genesis chapter 2, because you read God saying, I will make a helper fit for him, fit for Adam. But before that happens, another passage is inserted in the text where Adam gives names to the animals. And Adam discovers that for each animal there was a male and a female. It was obvious as he was studying these animals that God had created. Wow, they are different, but they belong together. I'm going to call you a lion and I'm going to call you a lioness. 
I'm going to call you rooster and I'm going to call you hen. And sometimes he had to look a bit closer to see the difference between male and female. And he learned a lot in the process. And as he was doing that, he became aware of the fact that he himself was alone. I find that beautiful because God had a purpose. God was excited about his plan. He already knew it's not good for Adam to be alone. I'm going to make him a helper, but I want him to feel his need first. Adam, go and name all the animals. And all this while, God was excited about what he had in mind. He was planning to surprise Adam. And then God creates a woman, Eve. Similar and yet so completely different. Amazingly different. Those of us who are married, and even when you're not married, you know how different male and female, men and women are. You might think that's a problem. It would be so easier if all women were like men. But that's not true. It is amazingly different. Beautifully different. Enough for a lifetime of study. <laughs> and then God brought her to the man. Wow, that must have been so exciting for Adam. And then you read Genesis 2. 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast or cleave or cling or stick to his wife and they shall become one flesh this is the verse that Jesus quotes in Mark chapter 10 and then in Mark chapter 10 immediately what immediately follows Jesus makes it very clear that it is God who does the joining what therefore God has joined together, let not men separate. See, marriage is not a contract. A contract. It is a covenant. And a covenant of the strongest sort. Because it is both horizontal and vertical. It is horizontal between husband and wife, and vertical between the couple and God. God has joined together. It is for life. And you are in it, not for yourself. That would be a contract like your mobile phone contract. You're in that contract for yourself. But this is not a contract. It is a covenant for the other one and for God. Just now on the way here, I was asking my parents a question, which I was planning to ask yesterday, but then I forgot. So. On the way here, I asked if you would have the opportunity to say one line from the pulpit on marriage, because they have been married for 40 years recently. We just celebrated that. 40 years. If you could say one thing, what would you say? So then my mom said two things, of course. <laughs> one was, don't give up. Don't give up. And the other one was, keep communicating. Communication. And these were her words, because if I would say that, I know I struggle there. With 11 years of experience, I'm still learning. But I'm just sharing their words.
And then my father said, show your appreciation because your spouse is investing. And if you don't seem to notice, if you don't say it, like, thank you for that cup of coffee. See, my dad hates boiled milk in his coffee, but my mom likes it. So my dad will make that boiled milk, which he hates, to make a nice coffee for my mom. And she appreciates that, and she will say that. And that was the advice from my father. Say, make it clear that you notice what the other one is investing. Because you are in it, marriage, not for yourself, but for the other and for God. It is a covenant, it is a promise, it is a vow even. So what is it vow like? I, Eric, take you, Michelle, to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death do us part. According to God's holy law, in the presence of God, I make this vow. People, these are the words that we have been saying, those of us who are married. These are solemn words. In the presence of God, I make this vow for a lifetime. That is what we promised. See, marriage is God's masterpiece for us people here on earth. God is excited about it. I hope you saw that in the account of Adam and Eve, how God did it. He is excited about it. And we know from the New Testament that marriage is a picture of Christ and his bride, the church. So, as always, what God loves, Satan hates. So God says, male and female, joined for life, and then one flesh. Male and female, joined for life, then one flesh. So what does Satan do? He attacks every bit of it. The sacredness of gender, the sacredness of marriage, and the sacredness of sex exclusively in the safety of marriage. He attacks all of it. Marriage is severely under attack. And God says in Malachi 2 verse 16, in very strong words, I quote from the NESB, I hate divorce these are the words of God I hate divorce but I love you I hate divorce but I love you no matter what has happened in your life God loves you just as much and there are no second-class Christians let me repeat that there are no second-class Christians. Oh, you have been divorced before. No, there's no such thing. There are no second-class Christians. We are saved by pure grace, no matter what. Because God knows that this world is a fallen world. God knows how messy our lives can be before we knew the Lord and even after we came to know the Lord. 
and there can be circumstances where there seems to be no other solution than that my little sister breaks the rules and gets on the deck of the ship and she didn't get a spanking for it. I won't go into all those details today, but Matthew 19 verse 9 will mention adultery as a ground for divorce. 1 Corinthians 7, 15 talks about abandonment. And there are more verses that come into the discussion of legitimate grounds for divorce and remarriage. And that is a very difficult discussion. Where do you draw the line? When is it adultery? Especially in this digital day and age. When are we talking about abandonment? I mean, this is difficult and I'm not going to give answers from the pulpit because each case is different and messy by definition. It can't be easy and it should not be easy. You know, the world may say, just get a divorce, be over and done with it. It's a small thing, but that is a lie. It is not a small thing. It is messy and therefore there are not many clear-cut answers because each life and each relationship is irreducibly complex. So a sermon from the pulpit doesn't give all the answers. I rather think that a lot of counseling and prayer might be what is needed. And a lot of wisdom and help from God for each unique case. But you know what I find special? God knows by experience what we are talking about. God knows everything, but some things he knows by experience, or many things he knows by experience, and this is one of them. Read Jeremiah 2, read Hosea, and you see the broken heart of God himself because of the unfaithfulness of Israel. You see his love, his pain, his hopes, his anger, his mercy. His marriage, and I'm saying that with all reverence, wasn't very successful so far. But he fought for it. So God might be nearer in what you're going through than you think. God might be nearer than you think. But today we are here. And the past, of course, is done. The past is the past. And the work of Christ is enough to cover every sin. And we as Christians, we can live in the full assurance of His forgiveness. And then we can face today and tomorrow. So let's face today and tomorrow. That means if you're single, enjoy the privileges of singleness, where Christ is yours in a very special way. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, He who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with Him. That applies to all of us, but in a special way to those of us who are single. If you're married, enjoy the privileges of marriage and keep working on it. Ephesians 5:33, Let each one of you men love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. 
Men love your wives. Wives respect your husband. If you are remarried, live out that marriage for the glory of God. If you have children, enjoy the privileges of being a parent. Bring them up in the fear of the Lord. If your marriage is mediocre, not really good, not really bad, work on it. It is God's masterpiece. God is on your side to help you. And if your marriage is less than mediocre, and if that joy seems to be far away, don't give up. Take that counsel from 40 years of experience. Don't give up. Please don't think of divorce. Fight for your marriage. Trust God. Seek help in this church or maybe elsewhere. Let me wrap that up in, again, these, these two lines. Ananya, the Lord is protection. And secondly, I mean, that is God's side. Our side is a no-nonsense policy in all things. And I hope and pray that then we all will sail through life, single or married, with joy and for God's glory. I think the greatest gift that we can, can give to a child, those of us who have children, the, the greatest gift that we can give them is a solid, thriving marriage. May the Lord help us every day. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning and we have been talking and thinking about marriage. We thank you for your design, for your great plan. And we realize that throughout the ages and especially in this time that we live in, where slavery in the sex industry is as big as never before, where post-Christian countries in the West give up on almost everything that you have instituted. Where we live, live in a country where it is all right to have more than one wife here in Malaysia. Father, we are surrounded by attacks from Satan and we pray that you will protect us and help us to have a no-nonsense policy in our own lives, in our spiritual lives, in our family life, towards our children, when nobody sees us, when we are around people, no matter what, help us, Lord so that we live out our lives, single or married, for your glory, so that people will see what it means to belong to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, two more things. I came across this uh, podcast not too long ago, and I started listening to it, and I've told Michelle already that we should listen to it together. It is uh, free. 
but you can sign up for a membership which gives you access to bonus material and worksheets and I think it is very good. It deals with a lot of different topics related to marriage and those of us who uh, you know, go for runs or do workouts or drive a lot, I really recommend this podcast, Only You Forever, it's really good. Um, so that is to work on your marriage and family life and then secondly I will put this in the WhatsApp group also then secondly and that is related to that as a church we are also a family and we want to function as a family and just as we need to work on our marriages we also need to work on functioning as a church family so we are I would say despite the all the corona uh, problem we are still preparing for a church retreat in may 1st to 3rd um, of course we don't know how things will progress from here it seems that this part of the world is slowly recovering we hope and pray that in may um, it will be good and wise to come together as a church for a retreat um, for now we continue our preparation and I would like to ask you to save the date. Um, the purpose of this retreat is to really strengthen the bonds that we have as a church family. Um, being a church is more than just coming here on a Sunday and then disappearing. We are a family so that is also the theme of the weekend. By having this retreat we already grow as a family but the topic that we will be dealing with uh, besides leisure and having fun and playing games um, the topic the theme is to be one body in Christ and the subtitle is the IBC family camp so when I say family camp it doesn't mean it's a camp for families but it is um, a retreat for all of us who belong to the IBCBI family so we're working on that in a small committee um, and soon we will ask many more of you to contribute and work out the many details so that even in the preparation we start to function as a family already um, in which each member plays its part. So please save the date, 1st to 3rd of May 2020 in Desaru and further details will follow shortly and download that podcast. Have a wonderful week.